0: Let's open up our Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 5. God is good. Praise the Lord. That was fun, man. I love learning languages and singing songs for God. Woo! Wow. I am just so happy to see everybody here, man. God is so good. You know you know what the Lord, is, I feel, is doing at Metro Praise? We we can say this so so you know easily like you can say it and not mean it but I really mean it. We're becoming a family, man. I really feel that. Like you got the young people, you got the niños and niñas over here, you know. Then you got the families, you got multicultures, you know. David brought his father. David, can we give it up for the Montez family? Amen. (laughs) God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. I look forward to meeting you. I mean, and so many other families here. I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, it's a joy to be your pastor. And what an honor it is. I never take it for granted coming here every week sharing the word of the Lord with you. And uh, right now we're in a series called The Sermon on the Mount. We're going through the entire book of Matthew. We're learning from Christ Jesus himself. Exactly what Jesus said, that's what we're learning. So all of the previous messages are in, or or rather on the website metropraise.org so you guys can check it out. The Sermon on the Mount a review for everybody here is the time when Jesus teaches us the most important truths of his kingdom. So how many want to be a part of his kingdom? Can you say amen? Amen. Okay, the Sermon on the Mount is for you. This is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, okay? Now, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount is called the Beatitudes. Everyone say Beatitudes. Beatitudes. Thank you. Now, Beatitudes means blessed, blissful. It's a Latin word. And so why it's called the Beatitudes, blissful, is because Jesus starts off every one of these statements saying, Blessed are the blank, and he fills in the blank, and he tells you how to be blessed. And the word blessed means to be happy. Now, many times when we look at what it takes to be happy, we say, I'm blessed because I have a house. I'm blessed because I have children. And all of those things are blessing. But these things that Jesus gives is the foundation for those things. Meaning, if all you have is a house and a kitchen, you will not be truly happy in life. If all you have is just a wife and children, you will not be happy. Because a wife and children does not mean a family. How many know that? I mean, I counsel all the time people that have wives and children. and They're not happy. There's not a happy home. And so what Jesus is teaching right here is here's the foundation. Here's the place where you and I build a happy life. And let me say this. The American gospel has distorted this word bless in the happy life to the, to what it means is now you're rich and it's the same lie that the world says the world says if you're rich you're happy and now when you hear a preacher speaking about the blessings of God, where does it tend to always lead? It tends to lead towards your financial blessings, the car you drive in. Woo, the Lord bless me. It's easy to praise the Lord on payday, but it's another thing to pay it, uh, to, to praise the Lord on the day you've got to pay your bills. Are you listening? And it's one thing to praise the Lord when we're in freedom and we can shout and raise our Bibles up in the air, but when we learn about blessed are the persecuted, the Bible actually says it's a whole other blessing. Blessing to praise God when you're being spit on before, for your Christianity. See, I want to ask all those Christians today that define their blessings as financial gain in God's kingdom, what they would do if they lost everything for God's kingdom. You ever think about that? Richard Wormbrandt, a fellow Romanian to our our Romanian family here, was persecuted in the communist country of Romania during the 30s and the 40s and 50s because he was a Christian. Being a Christian for him did not give him a house. It did not give him his wife and children and long walks on the beach in the summer. It did not bring him raises and promotions on his job. What Christianity brought Richard Wormbrandt was solitary confinement for seven years he wrote the book tortured for christ now that's not to say every one of us should just walk around and go jesus just torture me lord torture me i'm blessed no what what it's saying is this what it's saying is i can be blessed even if i don't have all of the material things of this world are you listening Now, if you can find material things in here, then I'll preach on material things. But as we talk today about the Sermon on the Mount, I challenge every single one of you to make these the priorities. And yes, I am happy today that I have a sweater. I'm happy today I'm I'm not taking off my shirt like my brother wanted me to, okay? I'm happy today that I'm not being tortured for Christ. Amen. That is a great feeling to not be tortured. How many of you are happy you're not being tortured? All right. I mean, that might even cross into your mind. But when we get to that part of blessed are the persecuted, you'll be blown away at what's happening to Christians around the world. But listen. Even though I'm happy for all these blessings, this is the source of my happiness right here. Now when he saw the crowds, he went on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see that? You see, there you are, right there. You want to be happy? Be poor in spirit. So every person here that is proud in their spirit, I don't need God. I don't need church. I don't need the Bible. I'll just come when I want. You will not receive the kingdom of heaven. You will be poor in your spirit until you uh, are face judgment, and then you will be poor in heaven and be cast into hell. Are you listening? But if you come poor in your spirit to Jesus, you will be poor? Poor. <laughs> Like it's an infomercial, okay? You will be Poe? Poe! Woo! Okay. Now, how do you become Poe? No, mo is you come to Christ Jesus, Lord, I'm poor. I'm a sinner. I have sinned. Then the Bible says, now the kingdom of heaven is yours. Now you have the righteousness of Christ imputed to you. You are now in Christ Jesus, blessed with all spiritual blessings. You're blessed with the favor of God. You can pray for your house and your land and your car and your family. Because why? Because now you're in the kingdom of heaven. Come on, somebody say amen. Now look at number four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, there is a time when we as Christians need to mourn. And a lot of churches today, they don't want you to mourn. They want to just, you know, make it a pep rally, you know, like it's some motivational service, you know, so you give more and you buy more and you spend more and you only stay an hour so you come back more. And you know what? They don't want to take time for you to get on your knees and mourn and to be broken before God. Now, this is, we, we learned this is not the sorrow of the world. The Bible says worldly sorrow brings death. This is not depressive mourning like, oh, nobody loved me. No, no, no. It's not like that. It, it's the sorrow of saying, God, I want you so much and sometimes I miss your plan for my life But I want you and tears coming down your eyes or you're going through a hardship and you're just saying god I don't know how but I know you will make a way And tears coming down your eyes Has anybody ever been there before the bible says when you come like that you're comforted See, that's the way of the kingdom. You see sometimes in the kingdom It's opposite and most of the time it is of what's in the world you see, when they say, you know, blessed are those who mourn, they're, they're, they're saying blessed are those who get on prescription medication and keep supplying the drug industry because right now more people take depression medication than ever before. See, they don't give you a cure. It's the opposite. When Jesus says you come and mourn, you actually are relieved. And look at the next one. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What does the world teach us? Blessed are the proud. Those who cut off people in traffic. Those who burn the midnight oil. You know, you can drive downtown tonight. Sunday, you can drive downtown. And you'll see little spotted lights on down there. You know why? Because they're burning the oil. So right at 5 a.m., when that market opens tomorrow, they're on top. And that's what the world teaches. Blessed are the proud. Blessed are those just hard workers and just do it for themselves. But is that what the Lord teaches? He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, meek is not weak. It's not just saying, oh, you know, if you're in a stock market, since I use that as an example, it's not like, oh, I'll just show up at 10 and I'll just buy and sell whatever's there. No, 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 no. You're doing it still with strength and vigor, but you're not doing it with the pride of your heart. You're doing it in meekness. You're a team player. You're relying upon God. You know your identity, position, and your function. Amen? Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So many of us have hungered and thirsted for So many things that have not filled us. There was a time I hungered and thirsted for alcohol. But I never was satisfied. There was a time I hungered and thirst for sexual relations, but it never satisfied. There, there has been times in my Christian walk as a Christian, I've hungered and thirsted for knowledge, and I've and, and just recently, man, when our missionaries from Mozambique come, came, I was in this, uh, you know, I have a, a webcast, and it's, we're webcasting right now, by the way. And if you are never able to make, it, you can go to your computer and you can watch this live. And so I do a Tuesday live webcast, and you can join us. Just go to your computer, you can. Ask us questions, I'll wave and say hello, you know. And so I was doing these debates. I got on this thing, and all these atheists are there, and Muslims, a lot of people who don't believe in Christ. And literally, man, within 60 days, I did like six debates, man. I did so many. I was debating Muslims, atheists, Jehovah's Witnesses. I was debating anybody you can think of. And when these missionaries came, they they talked about how their founder who was a woman who went there just by herself with their family and now 20 years later they have 6,000 churches you know like 20 orphanages they're like touching tens and hundreds of thousands of people. She went to this conference with these people who are very smart in Christianity, theologians they called them and you know what this woman who works in orphanages in Mozambique has her PhD but when she went before these theologians all she could say is too big too little too big, too little. And they were telling me this in McDonald's at Navy Pier and tears started to come down my eyes and I started to say to them, I have let this get too big and this too little. You see, when you hunger and thirst, it better be for righteousness because anything else won't satisfy. You can even say, I'll hunger and thirst for all the knowledge in the world. It still will let you down. Are you listening? You can hunger and thirst just for vacation and rest and that won't satisfy you. The thing that satisfies is Christ and His righteousness. Do not settle for anything less. Praise God. Come on. Verse number seven, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And that's what we're talking about today. Verse number eight, blessed are the poor and pure in heart for they will see God. That's going to be next week. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. Now watch this. This is so awesome. Just check this out. Look at the next passages of scripture. These passages of scripture deal with not our financial blessings, not uh, just building bigger churches. Look what Jesus spends three verses talking about. All other of the blessings, he spent how many verses? One. See? blessed are the praise makers, blessed are the pure in heart, you see it's always just one verse blessed are the pure in spirit, blessed are those who mourn look what happens, two uh, three verses from 10 to 12 right here, why? because blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven he never mentioned one time in all of these your reward, he He always talked about in general terms about what will happen to those who do this or he talked in spiritual terms. But right here, he makes it personal to you. Your reward in heaven will be great for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So why do I say this right here? Because that was the last thing he said. And if you think about it like this, that's the greatest thing because being a Christian sometimes will cost you something. And so you've got to get it in your mind and in your heart today. Just coming to church will not always be a yellow brick road singing in the rain with Mary Poppins on your way to heaven looking at the roses. Are you all with me? So when you're on this journey and things begin to happen, know that if you stick with it, great is your reward. Somebody say, preacher, preacher. Now, we have to get into all this now. Today is a second part message of the merciful. Here's what merciful means. Merciful means to be helped or to help the afflicted in the trouble. That's what we talked about last week, the good Samaritan. Everybody say the good Samaritan. We talked about what made the good Samaritan good, that he helped his enemy. He was kind and compassionate to those that were not kind to him. Do you know that since I preached this message, I preached this seven days ago, Do you know that since then three situations have come into my life with people that I either A, did not know or B, have not seen for so long and God allowed me to be merciful to them? Do you know that one of the youth that helped us start the youth group six months ago that most of all these great youth here today have never even met called me up Thursday night drunk and said, why do people lose their daddies? This 16-year-old young man. So why do people use their daddies? And you know what I could have said to him, Where have you been, young man? You've missed church. You, 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 know, you have no right to call me. It was 11 o'clock at night. You know what? You know what the Lord was saying? The Lord was saying, hey, you want to be kind to somebody, preacher? You're up here telling everybody to be kind? Let's start with this young man. Are you all listening? How many were here Friday? How many know we had to be kind to another young man? Can I get an Amen. You see, because God will test you. And that's what we talked about, being kind to those that may not love us, may not respect us, but we're kind to them. That's what merciful means. Now, the second part of this is what we're going to talk about today, to extend and give God's forgiveness. Everybody say, God's forgiveness is freely given, so give it freely. Okay, now can we say it like we're up this morning? Everybody say, God's forgiveness is freely given, so give it freely. Amen. And if you do that, the Bible says you'll be forgiven. Now, in review, we learned about the good Samaritan, and we we learned about how he took care of somebody that hated him. It's easy to love those who love you back. But what about those who don't love you? What about those who don't respect you? How do you treat them? The Bible says that's what made the good Samaritan good. And then what we talked about is loving the unlovable. Can you love people just like this? And believe it or not, that young man Friday looked just like this. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's like the Lord saying, let me help you, Pastor. Let me help you, congregation. And some of our leaders were here. And you know what? We love that young man. That young man may never come to our church again, but that young man will say, God loves a Latin king. That's what he can say. Praise God. Amen. Now, I don't know why I have pictures of Latin kings here, and he was Latin king. Maybe the Lord's trying to reach the Latin kings. Amen? Maybe he wants the Latins to serve the king. Praise God. Come on. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Come on. Y'all got that. All right. <laughs> Do you all love the unaccepted? Do we love those that other people don't accept? And this is the, um, you know, this is a, this is the face of homosexuality today. The, these are the type of people that they, they want us to accept their behavior. But you don't have to. See, I didn't accept the the Latin king's behavior, but I accepted him. I, I may not accept Todd and Bill's behavior, but I can accept them. You see, what the world is looking for is a church that loves them. Now, remember, when I ended last week's sermon... I poured out that water, and I said, if you don't give mercy, mercy will not be given to you, or the amount of mercy you give others will be given to you, so we need to love them. And then we went on to loving the rejected, and we talked about those that are homeless and those that just nobody likes and the young people, you in your lunchroom, loving those that nobody else loves and loving people different than us. And then we learned about 1 Corinthians 13, and David and I were... um, visiting the other day and he said he had never read that scripture before and that was powerful. How many love first Corinthians 13 Don't you love love amen Just look at your neighbor and say I love love. Amen. All right, beautiful now today's question today's question now moving into part two of blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. The second part of this is is do you forgive those who sin against you Now watch. The word forgive presupposes a sin. We are not saying, do you approve of the people and how they have sinned against you and treated you? That is not the question. But the question is, can you forgive them? Are you all getting this? Because a lot of times when I talk about forgiving the things that come up in our life, people immediately say, how can I forgive these things? Because these things are wrong, and absolutely right. These things are wrong that happen in our life, but the question isn't, are they wrong? The question is, can you forgive? Start with husbands and wives. Can you forgive your wife after a fight, husbands? Wives, can you forgive your husbands? Come on, nudge the person next to you and just say, forgive me if you're married to them. If you're not, just tell them anyway. <laughs> you guys are going to be married. One of the things we'll talk about in counseling is Forgiveness. Not going to bed angry. Forgiving. See, it starts off like that. Now, that may be tough sometimes, but really, even married couples can have grudges and hold them in. So we've got to forgive. But now it gets a little tougher. We move on to our jobs. We, we may like our job, but you may have a boss that mit- mistreats you. Can you forgive the slave master that is your boss? If that is what it feels like, if that's how you're being treated at work, he just yells and mistreats you. We're not saying, do you accept his behavior? The question is, can you forgive his behavior before God? Now let's get a little bit more serious. What about abuse? Now, absolutely, 100%, we do not accept that. And I have to always put this in here because a lot of times in machismo cultures and and in our cultures today, women feel that that it's their place to be abused. And listen to me, come see me, and we'll get you out of that with Ricky, our police officer, and a few other elders. Amen, church? No child, no wife should ever be abused or mistreated. Okay? We believe that. That is 100% wrong. But let me tell you what I'm talking about, forgiveness. After you're out of the situation, okay? After you put him in jail for a while, okay? After you've moved on with your life, and many children become adults after being abused themselves, the only way now to move forward is to forgive the abuser. It's not to accept the abuser. It's not to say, I accept what you did to me. I mean, the things I have heard just in the last three years, from our youth and from adults as abuse. I mean, it just makes your blood boil. It just, you know, you know what I'm saying? I want to be like Judge Dredd and take the law into my hands and be, you know, the judge, the executioner, whatever, all that in one. Are y'all listening? It's like I just want to look at them, take out the shotgun. Poof, I'm the law, Joker. Deal with that, you know? Because I can't stand it. How many people hate abuse? How many just, this makes your skin cringe? But listen to me. When when I'm talking, and, and we as pastors and godly people, when we're talking to those who have been abused that seed of anger, that seed of bitterness, the only way it can leave that seed of hurt is to forgive and then to let God heal your heart. Because what the abuser did was more than just physically, even though it's so nasty and ugly, what he did was he also scarred your heart. See, the person that's been abused has been scarred, has been hurt. And the only way for you to heal, for the person to heal, is to forgive. And so when the person says, I'll never forgive them, what you're actually doing, what the what's happening is you're letting that abuse or stay with you the rest of your life because the only way to move past it is to forgive. Somebody say amen. What about an affair? What about the affairs that happen in our culture every single day? People have come to me and said, my husband has committed an affair. My wife has committed an affair can we forgive? You see, we're not talking about, you know, in church, we're both going towards the cafe. I reach out for the cup of coffee. You reach out for the same time. We kind of bump into each other. And I'm like, oh, pardon me. And you're like, oh, pardon you. Oh, yeah, I forgive you. Go ahead. We're not talking about forgiving that way. That's easy forgiveness. That's not what the Lord is talking about here. The Lord is saying, can you forgive those that have hurt you, those that have become your enemies, those that have just done everything in their power to ruin your day, ruin your life, and get in the way of your happiness. Can you forgive those? Somebody say, help us, Jesus. Nobody said amen, that we need some help. Let's look to Matthew 18. (laughs) It got all quiet. Help us, Lord. Look with me to Matthew 18, verse 15. And if you think that I have it any easier than you... Then just walk through my life. I mean, we all say that to each other. Oh, you don't know what I've been through. And I'm saying the same thing to you. You have no idea. I have some sheep marks right here. I have some other pastors that have beat me with their shepherd staff right here. It's like if I showed you what I've been through, and I take off my shirt, you know, take off the shirt, and I show you my back, I have been mistreated. I have been abused. There's some knives that have been stuck in there. And each one of us could, could find good reason in life to hate at least one person. Right? We could find a reason in life at least to hate one person. You know, strongly dislikes maybe five people and maybe just probably be agitated with a bunch of people. We could find good reason. Now remember, it is called forgiveness because it presupposes sin. So yes, people have sinned against us, but how are we dealing with it? Look at Matthew 18, 15. Here's how we're going to deal with it, and here's how Christ is going to judge us. We have a lot of scripture to read, but I know we can handle it. Verse 15, it says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Now, this is Jesus talking. We're going to get to this later on in the passage of our study of Matthew. He says, if he sins, go to him, show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Okay, let's start right here. Everyone look at me, please. Jesus knew that even in his pretty little church with all of us pretty people here, that every now and then we were going to offend each other, okay? He knew that every now and then somebody was going to get upset. Somebody was going to take something personal, even in his church. So, of course, if it can happen here, it can happen on the job. It can happen with your friends. It can happen in your family. It can happen anywhere. Here's Jesus' way of solving the problem, okay? Somebody sins against you. Somebody offends you. Let's, let's just take example of somebody in the church talks about you behind your back, and you hear about that. You know how the Bible says to handle it? Go to that person personally. You go to them one-on-one. Hey, I heard you say this about me. Why did you say that? That was private or that was not true. You shouldn't have said that. Now, the Bible says if they say, forgive me, I was wrong. I was having fun. We were talking. The conversation went too far. I knew it was wrong. I shouldn't have said it. Forgive me. The Bible says you forgive. That's it. You have to forgive. Amen? You cannot hold a grudge. You cannot justify the grudge. You have to forgive. You're not saying what they did was right. You're just saying, I forgive. And here's a way to look at forgiveness. When somebody sins, it's like you have them on a hook, and you're like hanging them over the pits of hell, okay? And by you not forgiving them, what you're saying is, I'm going to keep you over this flames until you become a barbecue like barbecue chicken right here, okay? You know what forgiveness does? Forgiveness brings them back and restores them and allows some type of a relationship to exist. Now, according to sin and how it is, defend, depend, depends on uh, the, the reconciliation is going to depend on what has happened. Now, obviously, if somebody molests my children, I will forgive them and reconcile with them. But I will be reconciled with them either six feet in the grave or in a jailhouse. Are you listening? But I will forgive them. And, and that's not a double-minded thing. There is justice and punishment. Please do not hear a message of forgiveness, meaning we just do what we want, slap our neighbor, hey, the Bible said I, I can slap you, forgive me. Psh, I'll slap you again. How you like that? I'll kick you too. Then I'll take your money. Now you got to forgive me. No, 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 no. The Bible's not just saying let's just be lawless. No, there are consequences. But the bottom line is in your heart you're forgiven. That person, okay? But let's say now they don't listen. Let's go back to that gospel example. You come to them personally. Why did you say this? And then they get mad. They're like, well, are you coming to me and telling me I can't talk to you. I'll, I'll say whatever I want. You shouldn't be in my business. Now the Bible says get another person that both of you respect and then come to them and say, look. I have shared the situation with Bob. Bob and I both understand the same thing. You talked about me behind my back. Can you please apologize? This is not right. The Bible says if at that point they wake up and they're like, wow, Bob is here, and and I realize I did wrong, forgive me, then you forgive them. Are you listening? But if they say, no, forget you, forget Bob, I don't care who you are, okay? Then the Bible says, in the church situation, go get somebody that represents the church. It could be an elder, a deacon, a pastor. Those are the people that represent the church. Go get them. And then now, with the pastor and you and Bob, you're speaking to the person saying, would you please repent? Here's the situation. You can change. And if they say, okay, I finally got it. Now that we've gone through three meetings, I've woken up. And I've actually seen that happen. People now get it. But I've also seen people still, you know, oh no, I'm right. You know what the Bible says? You cut them off now. You cut them off. You say to them, I forgive you. The word is called forbearance. I forgive you even though you did not ask for it, but I cannot be in relationship with you. And the Bible says, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So you could have a great pastor. You could have a worship leader. And if they sin and they don't repent when a person comes to them individually, and then they don't repent when a witness comes to them, and then they don't repent when the third person comes to them, the Bible says have no fellowship with them. You understand? You see, we're not talking about accepting sinful behavior. You don't have to accept it. You can cut somebody off. Everybody say, cut them off. That's what the Bible says. Our loving Savior Jesus. And I've heard people in meetings, because we've only had a few of these meetings, Some I've heard people say, but Pastor, where's the love of Christ? I'll tell you where the love of Christ is. It's in that Bible, and you have pride, and you got to repent, because three people are telling you it's time to change. Hello? Now I'm going to tell you how it works on your, or you would rather tell me how it works on your job, and then I'll tell you how to apply the principle. Whatever your job says to problem solve. If your job says if there's a conflict, go to the manager, manager goes to this, follow that principle just like this. However it works in your family. Everybody goes to grandma. Well, before you go to grandma, go to that person. Then bring your brother along. Then if the last thing, go to your grandma. And then you've got to lay down some boundaries in your life because people cannot just treat you any which way they want to treat you. Are you listening? That was not the intention of forgiveness. Is I'll forgive you so you can treat me however you want. No. The intention of forgiveness is to take people out of the pits of hell to let them know that there's a place for them in heaven because as we've been forgiven, that's what we're going to get to today. So we forgive. And now, once they come back from the pits of hell, now we decide with wisdom how this relationship is going to operate. Can everybody say amen? Now what you're probably thinking is right now, what Peter began to think. Peter said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins to me, against me? Seven times. How many people would probably be asking that question right about now? You say to yourself, okay, Lord, I get this. If I mess up, I, I have, or my friend messes up, i got to forgive. And the first thing that comes to your mind is, how many times do i got to do this? Because I'm thinking, you know what I'm saying, somebody comes to my church, then they tell me a lie, okay, I forgive them one time. Then you got this little list. All of us keep our lists. You know what I'm saying? Then they do it again. That's two times. That's five more. I don't got to be your friend anymore. You know what I'm saying? And then you just keep checking it off. And this is what Peter is asking. How many times? Seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. How, how much is, uh, in another place it says 70 times seven. That's 490 times. How many of you feel like you've forgiven somebody 490 times of the same thing? You ever had a relationship like that? It's like they sin, you forgive them, you forgive them. But here's the point. You're forgiving. You're right. It doesn't mean you ever excuse their behavior. It doesn't mean you ever stop confronting. The bottom line is though, you stand up for righteousness. You stand up for holiness. And it's right to forgive. Everybody say forgive. Now I want to read this parable to you. Before I do, because it's going to be a lengthy parable. This is the whole concept. I don't have any more scriptures really than this, okay? Here's the bottom line. What we're going to learn today is this simple principle. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. That's it. Here's the principle of how we go about it. People sin against us. We go to them personally. If they don't listen, we get people around, then other people around, and then if it finally doesn't work, then we leave them alone, but we still forgive them. We do that Throughout our life, we do that with abusers. We do that with our wives. We do that with our children. Now, that is how we live. Now, Peter is asking this question How many times do we do it? What is the point of this forgiveness? How long will this go on? Jesus tells him 70 times seven, and then he gives what, if you will concentrate and open up your heart, and I pray Jesus will touch you today. If you hear the illustration that Jesus now gives, this simple parable, you'll never be the Same Again, I pray that you'll never be the same because this is a parable. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered him that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he paid the debt. Verse 31, while the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that he had, what had happened. Then the master called the servants in. The servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now watch this. 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You'll be wrecked for life right now unless you get this. you got to change right now. You're listening to me. This will mess you up right here. You see, this right here is going to change the way you think. Here's the parable. The example comes up. Oh, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Jesus, seven times? No, 490 times. And let me tell you a parable, Peter. There was a man who owed a banker one million dollars. And when the banker said, it's time to pay, that man fell on his knees and he said, don't take my family from me. I will do whatever it takes, but don't take my family. Because in those days, the debtors could take your family, sell them into slavery, and put you into a slave boot camp for the rest of your life for your debt. The man begged $1 million to a banker, somebody that had a higher position in him, have mercy. And then the man said, I will forgive the entire debt. How many of you would like to be forgiven of your mortgage right now? Hello, how many mortgages would like to be canceled and car payments? The man says, I will forgive, not just let you pay it later on. I cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Everybody say cancel the debt. Now this man who just had a million dollar debt canceled from his banker is walking down the streets. He sees one of his friends, one of the guys he hangs out with. He lent him ten dollars, ten dollars. He takes him and he begins to choke him. Where's my money? And the guy says, come on, man. He gets on his knees. And he says, man, have mercy, dude. I'll get you that $10. And the guy says, no mercy for you. I'm putting you in jail. I'm taking your family from you because any money owed could be claimed at any time. And he says, I'm going to claim my right in court. You will suffer now. You're going to pay me $10. People are watching. And they saw how this man was forgiven a million dollars, treated another man who owed him ten dollars. And then the other banker, the banker heard about it, the other man, and he said, bring that dude here, bring him here. And he said, I forgave you of a million Dollars and you cannot forgive your friend of $10. Here's what's happening to you now. You're going to jail. The Bible says the master was angry in anger. He said to the man, you're going to jail and you will be tortured. The Bible says now that's how he's going to treat us. I want the cups brought up here again, please. I want you to get the example. You and I sinned against God and owe him a debt of more than a million dollars. The moment, sir, you told a lie, the moment, ma'am, you lusted, the moment any of one of us took something that not belonged to us, that was a sin. You became an enemy of God. You became a debtor of God. And only Jesus Christ could forgive you, and He died. He took the blood out of His own life, poured it upon your sins, and stamped upon your debt, canceled, paid in full. Hello, sinners like you and me were for Given. And the Bible says if God could forgive you and I, if He could forgive your anger, if He could forgive your lust, if He could forgive all those things that you did, and now somebody, no matter how bad it seems, they mistreat you, no matter how angry your boss gets at you, no matter how much your spouse has cheated on you, or no how much somebody has abused you as a child, the Bible says in comparison, your debt to that person or that person to you is so small, and if you do not forgive, When you get to heaven, you won't be forgiven. That's the truth today, friends. And that will separate you from the person next to you, from one going to hell and one going to heaven. The Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I just choked on my own mint. Sorry about that, guys. Forgive me as I'm preaching. Forgive your, forgive my debts as I forgive my debtors. Now we're looking at the example. The example that was given to us. The example that was given to us about mercy and about the cup. Says that one day you're going to stand before God and your cup is going to sit right here. And your cup is going to be empty and the only way you get into heaven is by your sins being forgiven. And Jesus is going to say to you, did you forgive? Did you forgive? Because if you have not forgiven, if you have not forgiven you yourself will not be forgiven. The sign that you have been forgiven is that you forgive. So you're going to stand there and you're going to stand there empty one day. And you're going to wonder How much mercy you're going to get because on that day of judgment You're going to need to have all of your sins forgiven You're going to need this cup to overflow You're going to need God's mercy for you that lie that you told you're going to need God's mercy that time that you got angry You are going to need God's mercy. Does everybody get the point? Everybody say mercy The Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Cursed are the unmerciful, for they will not receive mercy. If you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. If you want to be forgiven, you must forgive. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Lord. Now what Jesus is going to do is he's going to say, okay, this is how much you forgave Bob. There you go. That's how much mercy you get now. The person that hurt you the most, this is how much forgiveness you gave them. You just said, oh, I'll forget about it, and I'll move on with my life. You know, they hurt me. They don't need much forgiveness. They're a dog. They need to go to hell anyway. I don't like them. I said, that's what you get now. That's what you get back. As much as you gave to Bob, that one that you hated, that's what you get back. Oh, yeah, and that boss that you had that sinned against you, and you you felt like he owed you so much, just like that man felt that that $10 was so big, but yet you didn't realize I forgave you of a million-dollar debt. So here's a, here's how much you forgave your boss. There you go. You just found a new job on your way out. You told him what you felt about him. You went out with guns blazing like the OK crowd. Pow, pow, pow. And this is what I really think about you. Oh, right, OK. Well, there you go. Here's your mercy. That's how much mercy you gave him. And then your one friend, Patty, who gossiped about you. That was your best friend your whole life. And then she gossiped about you. This is how much forgiveness you gave her. There you go. Take him away. Take her away and torture them. You are not forgiven. Hello? That's the Bible. See, it gets quiet. I'm just happy I'm preaching the Bible today. Amen? Amen. I'm just glad I got verse 35 up there. Otherwise, y'all want to storm the pulpit right now. You don't want me to start preaching something different, but I'm glad Jesus talked about it. And I'm glad it's for our good today. And the Bible says if we're just not hearers of the Word, if we're doers of the Word, we'll be blessed. We'll be happy. We'll have a blissful life. Don't forget that, y'all. There's a blessing in this. Amen? But here's the hard part. This is how my Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive. Peter said, how many times do I do it, Lord? Just seven times? You know, because it's so hard loving people down here, Jesus. You know how they act. No, Jesus said you forgive them 490 times. You keep forgiving. Matthew 6, 14 says if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. James 2, 12 says speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. He says you better act like you got freedom in Christ because if you're going to keep damning people to hell, you will face that judgment because judgment Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I will tell you today, I don't care if it's bin Laden, I don't care whoever it is, God said pray for our enemies, even those who despitefully used us. They prayed for Nero when they burned him at stakes. We prayed when people persecuted the Christian church. We have to pray and forgive our enemies. There it is, because if you want to step in judgment and say, I don't forgive, I won't give mercy, the Bible says no mercy is yours. He says you better speak and act. Like those who are going to be judged by freedom. So give people grace. Give them forgiveness. And and, and think about it this way. When our Savior went to the cross, they sinned against him, didn't they? They beat him. They whipped him. They put crowns on his head. They stripped him naked. They drug him through the streets. They then pierced him and and, and uh you know put 9-inch nails in his arms and his legs and put him up there to die of heat exhaustion or a heart attack or a loss of blood. And that's how they were killed him and tortured criminals and they treated the son of God with such disdain and disgrace. That's how they treated him. But what did Jesus, the righteous, the perfect one, what did he say at the time of the greatest mistreatment of mankind? Father forgive them for they know not what they do if our savior could forgive the ones abusing him unto death torturing him unto death we all today can say father forgive them for they know not what they do because i want to be forgiven i want to be forgiven i've had pastors get offended with me and and, and i've had them tell me oh well you know you know, I don't I don't I don't I think we'll ever be okay again. It's it's never going to be the same. I've had pastors treat me like that. And I think to myself, if that's how they treat me, how do they treat their congregation? They just write off people. I've had friendships with people where you know you can be friends with them for years and then one thing happens that they don't like and they cut you off. The Bible says how dare we treat each other like that? Forgive doesn't mean we accept. We can work through our difficulties. We can work through our problems. Maybe some problems, people will always be a certain way. So you can have a distant relationship with them. But that doesn't mean you don't forgive. Would you stand with me today? In the house of God of forgiveness. Amen? Look what Luke 17, 3-4 says. It says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor... I love you, but if you sin, I'm going to rebuke you. (laughs) If you're next to your child, just tell them. If you're next to your wife, you might want to be real careful how you say it. (laughs) You want to have a happy home tonight. But isn't that what it says? Tell them not to do it. Rebuke means to command to stop. You see somebody sin, stop that. Somebody here is in a relationship where you're being abused, tell them to stop. Get out, and we're going to tell them to stop, and that's it. Okay? That's as serious as I can get. The rest of us who are just dealing with bosses and friends and all that, let's deal with it in forgiveness, humility, trying to reconcile. Verse 4, if he sins against you seven times in a day, oh, Lord, have mercy. And seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Now true repentance is going to show a change of behavior, but some people, they need to learn the hard way. But you know what? Once again, it's never approving. It doesn't mean like, you know, like like somebody comes into the church, causes a problem, and then I put them out the church and they say, well, let me come back in. You know, you're supposed to forgive me. No, it's like I forgive you, but the relationship has changed today. The church is doing such and such of activity. You know, you've disrupted the youth activity. So I've forgiven you, but you need to be there on the corner right now waiting for your bus to go home you understand? But the whole point is I got to forgive. And then the brother, if he wants to come back next week, I need to say, okay, brother, try it again. You know what I'm saying? We got to forgive. Now, going back to this illustration, when I stand before God and Joe Y. Rostick is on trial, and my judgment is going to be determined on whether or not I forgave. It's not based on this, how much I've come to church. It's not based on how good I treated those of you that are here. Those of you who love me, and I love you guys so much, and it's, and it's so easy for me to forgive you. Like those in this church, you know, every now and then somebody will say something about me, and we'll go up to them and say, man, you know, I heard about that. And they'll say, Pastor, you know, I was upset. And we forgive each other. And, and some of you have come on work days, and you have saw that I can be somewhat of a taskmaster sometimes, like, do this, do this, and I may not say please and thank you, okay? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, Pastor, he's tough, he's a tough man, you know? And you walk home, and then you're like, but I can forgive him. You see, it's so easy. Let me tell you, that's wonderful. But we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is the people that really don't love us at all, people that don't care about us. Rachel, would you come, please? I'm going to be on judgment for that homeless man that was in my house because I brought in some homeless men. Remember we talked about that? And after I fed him and gave him my clothes, he wanted me to give him money. I said, dude, I just brought you into my house. I let you spend the night. I've just given you clothes. I've just fed you. Now you're asking me for money. And, and, and he began to curse me out. And as he walked out that door, Jesus was holding the cup. And he was saying, okay, Joe, how much are you going to give him now? See, when I stand before God, God's going to say, Okay, Joe, how much did you give him? How much did you give him that day? When you go to, before God, God is going to say, How much did you give your boss? How much did you give the abuser? Did you want the abuser to be saved and spared from eternity in hell? Or did you just want to judge them and send them right to hell right now? When I stand before God and you stand before God, I want him to say what you did for Abraham the man who left my church I still remember his name and cussed me out and went and told every person that we had given groceries to that day that I was a cult leader I want God to say Joe, well done man you forgave him he didn't deserve it, nor did you you forgave him I want Ish to be up there that one day and God says Ish, remember how you felt mistreated that one time you went to that church and that situation happened and you just felt like you were done wrong, this when you forgave. I forgave you. Thank you. I want him to say to my wife, Hey, remember how those people hurt you on Judgment Day? Nancy, you remember how so-and-so talked about you, and they put my wife on a website called skags.com, where you put girls that you hate, like teenagers, they do this, and you put, you know, you put their face up there, the ones that you hate. Nancy, you forgave. Here is your mercy. Give me one more cup. Come on, I want it to overflow. God's going to come up to some of you teenagers... And he's going to say to you on judgment day, he's going to say, remember that kid that cussed you out? And every time you came with your Bible to school, he kept calling you a dork. And he got all the other kids at his lunch table to laugh at you. Now you're on judgment day. Here's your sins. You need that to tip over. You are forgiven. Because you have forgave. Come on in. You forgave like how I forgave. You see, that's the key to happiness, everybody. Do you want forgiveness to be given to you like how you've given it to others? If this illustration makes you feel afraid, and all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, I don't feel comfortable about this. I don't think I'm ready for this. I want to tell you something today before you walk out this door. You need to forgive. You need to get on your knees and say, God, I forgive Mike. I forgive Bob. I forgive my father. Lord, I forgive. Help me to love and move on. hallelujah take the dagger out take their hurt out take their words out of your heart and move on that's the only way of healing y'all And the Bible says, once you give that mercy, once you give it, even though they don't deserve it, you receive mercy. You receive mercy because all of us mess up. All of us make mistakes. All of us have gotten in problems with other people. And God says, you got mercy. You got mercy. And on Judgment Day, there it is, overflowing. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Lord. God, we bless you today. We thank you, God, for mercy. Would you raise your hands and just thank Him now for mercy. With the fruit of our lips, Lord, we thank you for mercy. I want you to start off right now by thanking God for forgiving you. Your debt has been canceled. Your debts have been paid. Jesus Christ forgave us. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man whose sins are not held against him. What is man that God is mindful of us, that he should send his son to die for us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that cancels debts. Oh, if you came here today and you have debts that you owe God, it's canceled in Jesus' name. Call on his name today. Jesus jesus as the saints of god are praying i want you right now if you came here today and your debts have not been forgiven before god's court you would be considered a sinner i want you just to raise your hands come on you may be a visitor you may be a backslider you know what's in your heart you just got to give it to god say lord cancel my sins pay my debt wash me clean with your blood today my friend you can be forgiven forgiveness is free in Christ it's free in Christ you don't have to try to be better you don't have to work at it you can have it clear today debt paid in full glory hallelujah if I did an altar call the whole church would be at the altar right now so let's do this We have a few moments before we go today. Let's apply the Word of God. Let's apply it to our life. I want you, just wherever you are, if you got to kneel, you can kneel. You need to forgive those who have sinned against you. As Rachel begins to pray, uh, play a song and sing for us as we worship God, whatever state you are in with any relationship that's not right, just forgive them. And ask God to begin to bring you the grace. See, grace... It's not only for you, it's for others to bring you grace to forgive them if they do it again. Not to approve, but to forgive. Sometimes we say, Well, I'll never forget. It doesn't even matter if you don't forget. It's do you forgive? Yeah, I remember what people have done to me, but it doesn't have that same hold in my heart anymore because God has healed me. The poison is gone, the hurt is gone. Not because I forgot about it, but because God helped me through it. And it only happened when I forgave. Rachel, begin to sing. Let's begin to pray. Somebody's got to forgive somebody in this room. Come on. Come on, you gotta forgive. Just say, Lord, I forgive my father. If, you, if you've been hurt by a parent, just say, Lord, I forgive my mother. Come on. Come on. If it's a spouse, a husband, a wife, I forgive them, Lord. If it was a friendship, just say, Lord, I forgive my friend. Name their name and say, Lord, I forgive them. Now, before we sing it again, some of you need to turn your forgiveness into asking God now for forgiveness. Because holding that unforgiveness towards that person might have turned to bitterness. And you know the devil's such a liar. Let me tell you how the devil works. This is how the devil works. First, he'll send somebody in your life to hurt you. And he wants that person to discourage you, he wants that person to get you to give up. Okay? Then, after he does that, he wants that then discouragement to turn into unforgiveness towards the person and bitterness in life. Then as a bitter, unforgiving person, he then wants you to walk around hurt, limping, uh, just bruised and torn apart for the rest of your life. That's how he wants you to go to heaven. He is such a liar. He brought the hurt. He brought the bitterness. He told you never to forgive them because they don't care about you anyway. And then he told you, you're going to have to deal with this the rest of your life. That's how he's a liar the bible says he's a liar You know what jesus does he fixes everything the devil does When you forgive he heals the hurt of what the person did to you He then forgives you for holding bitterness against them. Now you can have a clear conscience Then, as you go through life, He heals you to be in other relationships. Maybe you will never be close to your father again, like the way a father and daughter or a son should be. But you'll find a mentor. You'll find somebody you can trust. Maybe you and your wife do have to separate, but that doesn't mean you can't fall in love again. Maybe you might have to find a job, but that doesn't mean you can't have a good job again. And God then blesses you, and mercy is poured out to you. So what I want you to do now is I want you to take some personal responsibility as you're forgiven. We're going to sing it again. And then I want you to turn it inward now and just say, Lord, I'm forgiven these people. But now get out all the junk that now I have a bitterness because I didn't forgive them. All that, that, that self-esteem, that, that low self-esteem, that anger, maybe you don't trust anybody anymore, you don't, you don't see yourself the same, or don't see others the same, just things have changed, perspectives have changed. Just ask God to forgive so you can enjoy life again, that you can be blissful, that you can be happy. So sister, sing it again, and now as you're forgiving, start just saying, Lord, forgive me, get out all the junk, so that healing can come. Come on. Give us a bitterness. What? thing. We're now going to ask God to heal you. Just raise up your hands wherever you are. And now just say, Lord, heal me. Lord, I've forgiven them. And I've asked you to forgive me of holding it against them this long. But Lord, make my heart healed. Make me whole again. You may feel like your heart, like this glass cup has been shattered into a million pieces. Jesus said He came to heal the broken heart. Jesus said He came to heal the broken heart. Just say, Lord, heal my heart. Just heal me today, Lord. Just hands raised right now. Come on, just heal me, Jesus. Jesus, You are the healer of a broken heart. Just sing that all who are thirsty come to the fountain. Just come on, talk to the Lord right now. She sings this. Lord, come on, heal us, Lord. Yes, Lord. Dip your heart in the streams of life today. God can heal your heart. Come on, be washed away. Out to thee. Come, Lord Jesus. See, the Lord can come and heal that heart now because you forgive it. we're going to do before we leave here it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done but God is with you you can do it we're going to read on in Matthew it says pray for your enemies that God may bless them even though they despitefully treat you and misuse you and call you names and hurt you pray for them Father forgive them For they know not what they do. That was our Savior's example. This may be the hardest thing you ever do, but Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow Him today. Metro Praise, pick up your cross. Die to your flesh. Let that anger die today. Let that bitterness die. And say those words of Jesus. Forgive them. And I want you to say, Lord, bless them. Save them. Come on, even though they may suffer, even though they may have consequences that they're going to have to suffer depending on their action, you don't want them to go to hell. You don't want them to hurt more people. Pray that God would change them. Pray that God would change them. Oh, God, I pray for our enemies of America, God, the terrorists in the Muslim nations that hate us. God, I pray for peace, oh, God. I pray, oh God, that you will change their hearts, oh God. I pray, oh God, for the gangbangers, those that persecute our young people, that God, you would save them, you would forgive them. God, I pray for that adulterous husband or wife that's represented here by the one that they hurt. God, I pray for that woman wherever she is. God, touch her right now. Bring her back to you. I pray for that husband right now. Touch him, Lord, and bring him back to you. God, I pray for that wayward child that has hurt his family, that he or she has done wrong. We pray, God, for you to bless them and bring them back to you. God, we pray for those mean, angry boss. God, those people that can be mistreating to us. God, save them. Save them, Lord. We're going to sing it again, all who are thirsty. But this time, sing it for those that have hurt you. Sing it that they'll bring their heart to the fountains of God. That these people will be healed. Come on, sing it again. We sing it for those who have hurt us. All who are weak. Oh, come to the fountain. Come on, Latin kings. Come on, young people. Come on, the gay community. Come on. Come on. Jesus, all those in the prisons today, woo, let the pain, let the pain and the sorrow be washed away. Be washed away. Oh, yes, Lord, in the waves of his mercy, you'll get it. Hallelujah. It's deep, cries out to deep. It's out to deep. We say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come to the prisons. Come to our homes, our family problems. Come, Jesus. Come to our jobs. Woo, Jesus. Oh, won't you come, Lord? Come, Lord, Jesus. In closing today, I believe God is healing your hearts because I want to tell you something. If you could look up at me if you can. Hurt. People hurt people. You can't hurt somebody unless you're hurting. Hurt people hurt people. That's why if you don't get healed, your bitterness will affect somebody else. It may affect the people you never would want to hurt. Isn't it crazy how sometimes abused people become abusers and they said it would never happen to them? Because hurt people hurt people. But... Heal people Heal people You see Yeah you've been done wrong People mistreated you But you're healed the healing's begun. God is healing your heart. You're going to be able to find somebody else and help them get better. And you're going to be able to help your children get better. And you're going to young people help your schools get better. Young people didn't always walk through metal detectors. You're going to help heal your schools and your boss. You're going to some of you are going to pray for your boss and see him change. And we're going to see our politicians want to do righteous again. And, and you know what? Healed people can heal people. We were just in prison this week on Tuesday. And you know what? We would like to say lock them up and throw away the key. But you know what? As I was waiting there, you know what David and I saw? We saw families. We, we saw daughters and their dads in jail. And I began to understand, man, God loves those people in prison. He hasn't forgot about them. He still wants them saved. So hurt people will hurt people, but healed people will heal. Forgive because you want to be forgiven would you hold somebody's hand next to you today ish would you come forward please brother you know you don't give awards for this but this brother right here is probably one of the most merciful men that i have ever met he is kind he he has this attribute so much and there's others here today that i that i would call up and say the same of but And I say follow Isha's example. Follow my example. Find somebody around you that you you know can, can be gracious and just start to learn to forgive. And, man, I look up to you in that, brother, and I see you forgive, and I see how you go through life, and I see that because of that you're blissful, you're happy. And brother, I just pray now that you will pray for our congregation, and that brother will all do that more, and that I'll do that more, and that we'll walk in forgiveness. Because when we get up there, whether you're a pastor, whether you're the project manager of your boss, or the owner of the company, we're all going to be judged by how we forgave. Brother, just pray that that's what Metro Praise looks like. Thank you, brother.
1: Hallelujah. God, the only reason I can forgive is because I've been forgiven much. Lord God, I was the chief of sinners, and You forgave me much, God. That's the only reason I can forgive, God. It's not even because I have the ability. It's because, God, You've forgiven me. And, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that when we realize how much we have been forgiven, That when we see, Lord God, that the judgment, Lord God, will not come on us because of your mercy and your grace. Lord God, that we would be quick not to bring judgment on our brothers. That we would not condemn, God, but that we would forgive just like we've been forgiven, oh God. Lord God, I pray that this church, Lord God, will embrace the concept of that we've been forgiven much, therefore we will forgive much. Because we've been forgiven much, we will forgive much, God. And Lord God, when it comes, when the day comes, Lord, and we will be judged. Let us hear your words say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were forgiven much. You forgave much. Come into your inheritance. Come into your inheritance. Bringer of mercy. Come into your inheritance. Forgiver of sins against you. Lord God, break our hearts. Let us not ever hold a grudge. Let us be the first to forgive. And Lord God, I pray. That we would hold on tight to this word that we would never let go that we would never forget where we came from and lord god that now that we have the ability to forgive use us dear lord let us walk in mercy lord let us walk in your mercy and let us give mercy in jesus name amen
0: Amen. Just slap somebody, high five, and say, I forgive you. And that's just in case. (laughs) Oh, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. You're forgiven. Praise the Lord. Forgive. God bless you.